We're going to be in John 18 this morning. We're going to take a little break from the book of Mark. John chapter 18. This is something that's kind of been on my mind here for the last week or two. And so I said, you know what? I think we're going to, we're going to talk about this today. Today uh, we are going to talk about something that everybody needs to hear but that nobody wants to hear. And that is the truth. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We are going to look at this passage in John 18, starting in verse 28. Uh, it's a passage that uh, is, a, is a conversation between Pilate and Jesus before Jesus was crucified. And, and we're not going to break down the whole context of what's going on in this passage, but here toward the end, we're going to kind of pluck out one little part of what Jesus was talking about and we're going to look through several scriptures today and, and kind of talk about this idea of truth and what is truth in the scripture and, and why is that important for us as Christians. So we will pray and then we will dig in. Father God, we come to you this morning and I thank you for these good words. And God, your word is truth. It is the only truth that we can stand on without question. And so I pray, God, that as we look at your word both this week and every week, that we know that it is true, that we do not question its truth, and that we stand on its truth. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, dear Lord, that you would help me to preach and teach in a way that will bring the glory to you, that you take away any pride or any nerves that I may have, and that everything here today would be for your glory. And I pray that you would help me to do a good job for you, dear Lord. I pray that you would help us to open our ears and open our minds and open our hearts to hear what you may want to say to us, dear Lord. Maybe as we think about the old stethoscope that Mr. Sidney used this morning, we need to be reminded, God, that you see everything. Maybe you need to reveal some things that we've been refusing to look at or maybe we haven't seen, things that we don't like about our lives, dear Lord, some sins that may be there that we don't like to admit that they're there, but God, help us to see those things, to repent of those things, and to grow in you and to be able to overcome such things. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 18, verse 28. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They did not enter the headquarters themselves, otherwise they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover. Then Pilate came out to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. Now let's stop there for a second and talk about their response. We won't break down every bit of this passage, but that's an interesting Response: The Jews didn't want the blood on their hands, so they sent him over for the Romans to pass judgment on Jesus, and they didn't want to have anything to do with it. The Passover was drawing near, and they wanted Jesus out of their way, and they didn't want to defile themselves. After all, these men that were accusing Jesus, and women too, uh, were very holy, at least in their eyes, and they brought Jesus before Pilate and said, Okay, Pilate, here's this man we're bringing to you. And Pilate says, Well, why do you bring this man to me? And their response was not, He did X, Y, or Z. They said, Well, if he weren't a criminal, we wouldn't be bringing him to you. That's, that's good enough, right? We're bringing him to you. Just, just take our word for it that he's a criminal. 
Of course, Jesus was not a criminal. He's the Son of God who had done absolutely nothing wrong. But even still, they wanted to get rid of Jesus and didn't really have a reason other than, well, we're bringing him to you, so he must be a criminal. Verse 30. Excuse me, verse 31. So Pilate told them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. It's not legal for us to put anyone to death, the Jews declare. They said this so Jesus' words might be fulfilled, signifying what kind of death he was going to die. Then Pilate went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own, or have others told you about me? I'm not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied. Your own nation and the chief priest handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. As it is, the kingdom does not have its origin here. Now, that's an interesting response. Let's stop here for a second. Jesus is, is reminding us when we read these words here of a truth that we already know but that we may need to be reminded of. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. Now, Pilate had said, are you a king? Of course, Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But he was not a king in the sense that maybe Pilate was thinking or in the sense that the Jews were looking for. Jesus certainly is the king of kings. And in the worldly sense, a king is somebody who has a castle and has a throne, a physical, visible thing you can see, a king you can bow down to. And that's what the people of Jesus' day knew when they thought about a king. But Jesus is a much greater king than that. He was not just a king over one little area or one little people. He is the king over all of creation over all that has ever been. He is indeed the king of kings. And he tells Pilate that. When Pilate says, you're not a king, this wasn't adding up to Pilate. Well, if you're a king, where's your kingdom? Where's your throne? How does this all add up? And Jesus says, well, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, Jesus said, well, all of my followers was right up, would rise up and, and I would have my kingdom here. But Jesus says, this is, not my kingdom. There was a greater kingdom that Jesus was speaking of. When Jesus came onto the scene in the beginning of Mark, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. And people through Jesus Christ were entering into the kingdom of God as we have entered into the kingdom of God. It's something that, that is, but it's not yet. The kingdom of God is already here. We are already in the kingdom of God if we are in Christ. But we will be in the kingdom of God for all of eternity in a, in a much different way than we are as long as we are on this earth. And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, people would fight and defend it. But my kingdom is not here. It does not have its origins here. It is not set up here. There is a greater kingdom that Jesus wants his hearers to know about those he's been preaching and teaching to for all of these years of his ministry, and here, Pilate, right before his death. He's wanting Pilate to know that there is a better kingdom than the kingdom of this world. Now, the kingdom of this world may look good. The, the wealth of this world, the power that we see in this world may be appealing to us, but the kingdom of God offers us something 
much better than the world offers. And Jesus wants us to be part of that kingdom. Jesus was not so much concerned about the kingdom of this world. He was more concerned about the kingdom that we would be with him for all of eternity. And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world, and we need to remember that. If we have followed Jesus Christ, we are part of the kingdom. But until we leave this old world, we have to live in this old world. And it is difficult, and it is tough. But we must stand guard, and we must be on, 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 on guard for any attacks that come against us. We must be willing to do the work of the Lord while we are here until we get to experience God's kingdom in its perfection for all of eternity. Verse 37, he says, You are a king then, Pilate asked. You say that I am a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this, and I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What is truth? said Pilate. Now that last little bit there is what we're going to focus on for a few minutes today. Jesus says, I have come into the world to do what? To testify to the truth. What is the truth when we look at Scripture? If you, if you look through Scripture and you search for the word truth, you will find the word truth mentioned quite often, and particularly in the New Testament. And Jesus says everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So those who want to be of the truth come to the truth through Jesus Christ. And Pilate asked an interesting question one that perhaps some of you have considered or some of you have been challenged by others with. What is truth? This is a problem that we are encountering in our world today and really, I guess, throughout all time, if we're honest, of what is truth. Now, I stand before you this morning telling you the one and only thing I believe is absolute truth is the Word of God. That is truth. And so whatever the Word of God says is what I deem to be true and right and what I must live by. That is, that is truth. I don't believe that that can be debated. However, it is debated by many people. You see, the problem when we say that the Bible is truth, an absolute truth, is that that comes with many difficulties. Because many of the truths of the Bible are hard truths. Because the Bible tells us things that we do not like to hear. The Bible is far better than that stethoscope that Mr. Sidney had this morning. Because we begin to read the Bible, and the Bible begins to work into our heart. And the Bible can cut to our most inner parts. The Bible can look at our heart. And the Bible will begin to reveal things to us that we don't like to hear. Now, there are lots of things in this world that we consider to be fun and that we consider to be pleasurable. There are many things that we like to do and want to do, and we don't want anyone telling us otherwise that we can't, whether it be a person or the Word of God. And so the way that many in our world deal with this is to Deny truth. Deny truth entirely. What is truth? There is no truth. Perhaps we 
read God's Word to someone or share God's Word with someone. And God's Word talks about a lot of things that we don't like to hear. It talks about a lot of sin that we may not like to hear about because we may be living in that sin. Now, when we talk about truth, we can, we can look at truth in a few different ways. For example, there is what we would call objective truth. Objective truth is verifiable. It cannot be denied. It's, it, it, it is true. There is no denying that it is true. Uh, for instance, uh, we will say, uh, what color is the, is the roof of this church? Well, we would say that's silver. Now, of course, if you wanted to split hairs, you could probably use all, some kind of scientific language. Well, that's not technically silver. But for argument's sake, we will all agree, hopefully, that the roof of this church is silver. That's an objective truth. But there are also what we can refer to as subjective truths. Now, if objective truths are verifiable and easily seen and can be proven, subjective truths are things that are opinion, are biased. Uh, for example, the best type of pie is... Pick one of these. I'm going to let you pick it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going gonna to do an experiment. The best type of pie is which one of the following? Chocolate pie, apple pie, peach pie, blueberry pie, cherry pie. Those are your options. Now, the correct answer there, of course, is chocolate. <laughs> you, you laugh because you understand. If I tell you that chocolate pie is the true best pie that there can be, you will not agree with that. Some of you might, but a lot of you won't. That's a subjective truth. That's my opinion. Now, what we see in our world today is not only objective truths and subjective truths, but we see things that are patently untrue. That's a very nice way of saying they're lies. We see things today that, 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 that people want to call true, or even more so, what we see today is people saying, what is truth? There is no truth. What is true for you may not be true for me. Now, that is true when we talk about pies. That is true. What is true for me may not be true for me for you. It is true for me that I think chocolate pie is the best, but it is not true for you. That is a subjective truth. But that's what our world wants all truth to be, is subjective truth. You believe what you want to believe, and I'll believe what I want to believe. And we will all be happy together. But we cannot do that, brothers and sisters in Christ, because we know that there is absolute truth, and we know that it is God's Word. We know that God's Word is objective, absolute truth. And therefore, we must live by that Word in our life and as we live around people in this world who are around us. Which means sometimes as Christians, we stand by the truth of God's Word even if it's difficult. And oftentimes when we stand by the truth of God's Word, you better get ready. Because oftentimes when we stand by the truth, the reaction that we receive is, who are you to judge me? Who are you to tell me what is right or what is wrong? 
We are brothers and sisters in Christ if we are put our faith in Christ. And we are standing by the Word of God. That's who we are. We are living by the Word of God. Uh, we are hopefully teaching others to live by the Word of God. And there may be things in God's Word that we don't like, but we need to know the truth, and we need to hear the truth, and we need to live by the truth, even if it is difficult. So our world will say, everybody can believe what you want to believe. Everybody can do what you want to do. And it can be true for me or it can be true for you. We'll all do what we want to do. And what we do when we do that, when the world says that, is they say, nobody can say anything is wrong. Nobody's allowed to say anything is wrong. But that goes against what Scripture says because there are clearly things in Scripture that God's Word says are wrong. So when we talk about truth in Scripture, what are we really talking about? Jesus said, look, I, I came so that I could testify to the truth. Well, what is the truth? Well, Jesus tells us himself probably most plainly what the truth is in John chapter 14, verse 6. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to go prepare a place for them. And I believe it was Thomas that asked him, he said, well, how, how do we know how to get to where you are? Where, where this place you're going to, to prepare, how do we get there? And Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, when Jesus says that he came to speak the truth, when we talk about truth here, we are speaking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the truth. If we say we are going to live by the truth, we are going to live by Jesus Christ. There is no other truth. Jesus is the truth. Anything else that you are following or putting your faith and your trust and your hope in is a lie because only Jesus Christ is the truth. You must know the truth or you will fall for a lie. That is why we study God's Word. We come here week after week and we study Scripture, some of which we may have heard and read a lot. And we continue to study them so that we can grow in them. So that we can grow in what? So that we can grow in the truth. The truth is Jesus Christ and God's Word. That is the truth. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so when we talk about truth, if we say we want to live by the truth, we are saying we are living by Jesus Christ. In John chapter 8, verse 32, he says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, apart from Jesus Christ, before Jesus Christ, the Bible says we live in darkness. We are a slave to sin, the Bible says. And when Jesus come onto the scene, Jesus was a light for the darkness. And when we follow Jesus Christ, we have come to the truth. We have come to the light. We have come out of the darkness. We have broken free from the chains of sin that so easily ensnared us through Jesus Christ. And Jesus says... You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, perhaps there are some of you today 
and you are still in the chains of sin. You are still, <coughs> excuse me, believing the lies of the world. Let me tell you the truth. Because see, here's what sin does. It burdens us. It weighs us down. It makes us feel ashamed and guilty and condemned. It makes us want to give up. It makes us feel that we are helpless. It makes us feel that we are hopeless. That's what sin does. And it leads us to an eternal death separated from God. That is what sin does. That is what the, uh, the, the chains of sin does. And if you're believing the lies of the world then that's what you are experiencing and that's what you are feeling in your life. But there is a way to be set free from that. How are we set free? We are set free from the truth. What is the truth? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life that was sinless and He gave His life on a cross so that you could be forgiven of your sins. And God raised Him three days after He was placed in the grave to conquer sin and death so that you could be forgiven and experience the peace of eternal life with Jesus Christ. That is the truth. If you're living in sin, listen to that truth. Hear that truth, accept that truth, and put your faith in that truth. And when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. It will set you free from the burden of sin. John chapter 4, verse 24. Jesus is speaking with this woman at a well here, and he's trying to help her understand uh, who he is, that he is wanting to give her spiritual, eternal water in which she will never thirst again if she follows him and listens to him. And in that conversation with her, he says in John chapter 4, verse 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, when we speak about God, we are speaking about a spiritual being. And when we accept Jesus Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit and we are to worship God in spirit, but also in truth. Now, it's important that we recognize in spirit and in truth because one thing we will encounter a lot in our world today is people who are very spiritual. They'll say, oh, I'm, very, I'm not a Christian. I mean, I, I, I read the Bible and I read lots of books, and, uh, but I'm very spiritual. Well, we need to be careful because praise the Lord that they are reading the Bible and praise the Lord that they know who Jesus Christ is. But it is sad when people say, oh, I'm spiritual, but, but I don't believe that Jesus is the only way to eternal life. I don't believe that Jesus is the only way for my sins to be forgiven. I believe that Jesus is one of many ways. I, I'm very spiritual. Oh, and, and I worship in, in spirit. I, I'm, I have a spiritual moving. and I, Oh, I get emotional when I'm in services or when I'm praying or when I'm meditating or when I'm doing whatever I'm doing. And there are many people in our world who say that they are spiritual. But they are not filled with the Holy Spirit. There are other spirits at work too apart from the Holy Spirit. Spirits who will not point us to Jesus Christ but point us away from Jesus Christ. We may very well indeed be very spiritual. And we may come and have a great emotional move at a song that we hear or something that takes place. But we must be on guard of those emotional responses we have. Now, not to say 
that those of us who are in Christ may not have a emotional response to God's Word or songs that move us. That very well may be the case. If we are truly of God, we may have emotional experiences in God. But too many times, people who are spiritual have only emotional experiences. They have no relationship with God. They may have an emotional experience and they go on their way. See, that's the problem. If we are really in God and we have an emotional experience through the moving of the Spirit and His Word or through song, praise the Lord. But many people do not have a genuine relationship with God. They simply have an emotional experience. Guess what happens when we just have an emotional experience? We leave and we go and that's it. We don't take anything with us. We're not really trusting God. We, we, we have a good cry and we feel real good and we feel good about ourselves and we go on about our way. But God doesn't want us to just have an emotional experience when we come to Him. He wants us to come to Him and know the truth and worship Him in spirit and let the Holy Spirit work in our lives. Let the Holy Spirit work in our heart. Let the Holy Spirit work in our mind. And we focus on the truth. Not just a piece of the truth. Oh, yeah, I like parts of the Bible. I like this parts of the Bible, and I like this thing that Jesus says. No, Jesus is the truth, and we worship God in spirit and in truth, which means the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, not the parts that we like and don't like. we got to read the parts we don't like. Why? Because they are true. We don't like the truth, but we need to hear the truth. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians talks a lot about the truth. We won't look at all the truth but in Ephesians, but we will look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse Actually, you know what? While we're there, let's get all the good out of it. Let's start in verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Paul says, Finally be strengthened by the Lord, by His vast strength. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Sounds like a pretty intense battle, does it not? You guys know how intense the battle is because you face this battle probably every day. So Paul says, look, you need to stand firm. And how does he say we are to stand against these attacks of the enemy? We are to put on the armor of God. Now he uses some physical, worldly things that we know of in a spiritual sense. Let's continue on. This is why you must take up the full armor of God, so that you may be able to resist the evil day, and having prepared everything, to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist. Now, as Paul says, suit up for battle and get ready, what is the first thing he says? He says, stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist. Now what does a belt do? Now, we all know what a belt does. It holds our pants up. It holds everything up. Praise the Lord, we got belts. 
If we didn't have belts, our pants would all be on the ground. And that song that that guy sang on, on, on American Idol would be even more popular. Pants on the ground. We wear belts to keep our pants off the ground. What else do we use belts for? Well, if you've ever worked in any kind of carpentry or anything, guess what you do? You put your belt on. Why do you put your tool belt on? Because it holds everything you need. Everything attaches to it. Your hammer, your nails, your, your tape measure, whatever you need for the job at hand, it attaches to your belt. You don't see good carpenters without belts on. they got too many tools. They need something to attach everything to. When Paul says, stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, Paul is saying the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is what holds everything together. Everything is held up by the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not present, everything else falls apart. Everything else is a mess. So our belt of truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ and Christ crucifies is what holds all things up. It is what everything that has ever been attaches to. All things were created for Jesus, through Jesus, and all things continue on because of Jesus. So Paul says, therefore, stand wearing the belt of truth. And that's what we must do as Christians. What do we stand on? What is the first and only thing we stand on? We stand on the truth. If you are not standing on the truth of God's word then you're in trouble. There's nothing that's going to hold you up. There's nothing that you can attach everything in your life to. I'm having a hard time. What do I do? I give it to Jesus. He's there. The truth is there to take whatever struggles and burdens and worries that I have. Jesus is there. What does the truth say? Jesus says, look, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. We know the truth. We stand on the truth of God's Word. That's what keeps us up. That's what keeps us going. That's what sustains the whole world and has sustained the whole world and the whole universe for all of eternity and will continue to sustain the universe for eternity forward and heaven and all things that will ever be for all of eternity is all held up and held together through the truth of Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. So Jesus tells Pilate, I have come to tell the truth. And Pilate says, what is truth? Maybe you say, what is truth? The truth is Jesus. The world may tell you that there is no truth. But that's because they don't want to hear the truth. The Bible is full of truth. There's a lot of good truth in the Bible. That God loves us. That's a good truth. Take it to the bank. God is gracious. That's a good truth. God is merciful. That's a good truth. God is forgiving. That's a good truth. Those are good truths. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on a cross so that you could be forgiven. That's the gospel, the good news. When we hear gospel, that's what that means, good news. The good news of the Messiah. That's good news. That's the truth, and it is good. But there's other things in Scripture that are not so easy for us. For all have sinned. Uh-oh. That's you and me. We're all, right? We're, we, we, we included in that all. That's pretty much all inclusive. That's you and me. All have sinned. Well, that's not 
a good truth that we like to hear. God is a God of wrath. Uh-oh. Well, that truth isn't so good. God brings judgment on those who live a life in sin and do not repent and seek Him and live in obedience to Him. Uh-oh. Well, who, who are those people? Well, the people that sin. Well, what kind of sin does the Bible talk about? Certainly there are some sins that the Bible talks about. You say, oh yeah, that's a bad thing. God should punish those people. But what about those sins in the Bible that you do? Uh-oh. Those aren't good truths. What are some of the truths of the Bible when it talks about sin? This is the part where our world, a lot of people will tune out. Oh yeah, God's loving and forgiving and gracious. Oh yeah, I'll, I like that. Let me hear that. God's going to give me all I ever wanted. Oh, yeah, I like that. That's, that's good. Eternal life, no pain, no sorrow, no heartache. Get to see all my loved ones for all of eternity. Yeah, give me that truth. What you're doing is a sin. How dare you judge me? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute now. We can't pick and choose our truths. We either believe God's word is the truth or we do not. And if we believe God's word is the truth, we believe that all it says is the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth right now. You may not like to hear it, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Some of these truths may apply to you. Some of them. Maybe not all of them. Some of you. But here's what the truth says about us. That we are liars, thieves, sexually immoral, Proud, boastful, ungrateful, selfish, lazy, drunkards, angry, unforgiving, hateful, envious, jealous, homosexual, greedy, and racist. That's the truth. Now, some of those truths may apply to you and me. Some of you may be saying, oh my, all of those truths apply to me. Well, praise the Lord if we just heard that list of truths in the Bible, which is hard for us to hear, those lists of sins that are true for you and I. If you heard one of those and that cuts you to the core and you said, whoa, that's me. I've got that sin in my life. Well, you've just heard the truth. And it's a hard truth. But if you know it's the truth, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, because I'm going to tell you a better truth. The truth is that we are all of these things, but the truth is Jesus died to forgive you of all of those things. As true as it is that we are sinners, as true as it is that these things are horrible, the greater truth is that God loves us and is willing to forgive us if we come to Him and say, God, I am a sinner and I am guilty of these things. I'm guilty of all of these things and more maybe. But God, I ask that you forgive me through Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, these are hard things for us to hear. And some of you may have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ already. And some of you, maybe you need to put your faith in Jesus today. And here's what will be said of you if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. Here's 
what will be said of you in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Paul had just given a big old list of sins similar to what we just looked at. And Paul says, and some of you used to be like this. You used to be these things. You used to be liars and thieves and sexually immoral and greedy and boastful and proud and arrogant and ungrateful and unforgiving. You used to be some of these things. But if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are no longer these things. And some of you used to be like this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's good stuff right there. You see, we are all sinners in need of a Savior. But Jesus Christ is that Savior. And we think about all the sins that maybe we have committed. And we may think back and say, man, I have really done some bad stuff. Well, praise the Lord that God has forgiven us. And maybe you are here today and you've never experienced that forgiveness. Well, I hope you do. I hope you find the truth. I hope you have heard the truth. And I hope you follow the truth of Jesus Christ today. The world will tell us there is no truth, but I'll tell you today that Jesus Christ is the truth. And when you put your faith in Him, oh, what a glorious day that'll be. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 6 will speak of you. And you used to be living in sin. You used to be like this. But you have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I hope you have been washed this morning if you have not. I hope you put your faith in Jesus today. Let's pray. God, we come to you and we thank you for your good word. And your word is sometimes hard for us, dear Lord. But God, we cannot not speak the truth. We got to speak the truth because repentance comes from the truth, dear Lord. How can we repent of sin if we don't know we are living in sin? We can't sweep it under the rug, God, and pretend that everything goes. But we have to address it. So, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for it, telling us who you are and telling us what sin is. God, you don't want us to avoid sin because you're just a big meanie and don't want us to have fun. God, you want us to avoid sin because often the things of sin that we encounter look fun, but they are not for our good, dear Lord. They bring heartache and pain and destruction and ultimately a death that separates us from you, God. So I pray, God, that if there's one here today that has never known the truth of Jesus Christ or never followed that truth, I pray today that they have heard the truth clearly. And I pray today that they would put their faith in the truth, the only truth that can save them in Jesus Christ. God, maybe there are some truths that we have heard today about our own life, things that we are guilty of, some sin that we are living in. Maybe we are already yours. God, I pray that we would hear those truths. And as hard as they may be, let us walk by the truth. Let us walk in the truth. Let us walk in the light. Your word tells us to be children of the light and children of the truth, dear Lord. So let us produce fruit that's going to be in accordance to the truth of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that if there are any that hadn't trusted you, today they had asked you for forgiveness. They'd put their faith in Jesus and make him their Savior. And that they would live by that truth today and forevermore. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.